through 17. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. We continue our sermon series through the book of James that we're, we've called Live the Word. Live the Word. James 14, or James 4, beginning in verse 13 through 17. Hear the word of Christ. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Oh God, I pray that you would teach us that we are not you. You and you alone are God. And God, we are so small and we are so finite and we know so little and we control so little And yet, so often, we act as though we are God. God, would you rebuke such pride today? And would you teach us, it is not good for us. It is not good for us to assume that we know all things and that we can do anything. God, there is worry, there's depression, there is frustration, there's anger, there's disappointment, there's discontentment all across this room. Because we have been disappointed in our own deity. Because it doesn't exist. And so God, uncover it so that we may repent and look to the one who is God, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who is ruling and reigning today and will rule and reign tomorrow. His plans have been made known and clear. May we be a part of them. Life is uncertain and brief. But the gospel is certain and eternal. May we hope alone in Christ today. Teach us to do that according to your word, by the power of your spirit. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. I was reading my grandfather's obituary at his funeral, and I got to the name of my great grandfather, and I started to read what was there about him. And the obituary said this preceded in death by Theodore Roosevelt, Ted Haskins. And it dawned on me in that moment, as I read his name, that I never told my kids that their great-great 
great-granddad was named after Theodore Roosevelt. All of the times we had watched Night at the Museum, and I had never brought that up. And to be honest with you, I was thinking to myself in that moment, I, I don't know if I have ever spoken to them about their great-great-granddad. Ted Haskins, who was a tobacco farmer in Tennessee, he had a substantial land. There are actually roads named after him. There's Haskins Chapel. It's a church there. It's, there's Haskins Cemetery in a small town, Will, Tennessee. And along roads leading up to the Duck River Speedway, you see his name all over the place on different signs. And some of those signs were hanging in my bedroom during high school. I think the statute of limitations is over in Tennessee there, so no one can come looking for me. But I never spoken much of my great-great-granddad, who was an amazing man to my kids. And the reality is, whether you want to come to terms with this today or not, your, great -grand your great-grandkids may know you. May know you. Your great-great-grandkids probably won't. And whether you like it or not, they probably won't think much about you. And I know that's sobering. And I know that's not very encouraging. And for some of us in that moment, that's very, very depressing. But for most of us, that's a reality. Your great-great-grandkids will not know you and probably won't think much about you, no matter what you accomplish. And as depressing and devastating as that can be to begin a sermon... James says, that's good news for you. That's good for you to come to terms with that. That's a sobering reality that can lead to something good in your life and the way that you live. It can actually be redemptive to consider how insignificant your life will be in generations to come. It's good for you to embrace that truth. And, and he begins in verse uh, 13, by unpacking this reality for us in saying this, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. He begins to talk about the insignificance of our life by talking about the way in which we plan each day of our life, <clears throat> the way in which we think about the future as we think about our life. And notice he says, come now. He says, listen in. This sobering reality. You who say. Now, remember in this section, he's dealing with pride and humility. And one of the ways that we assert pride in our life is the way that we talk. The way that we talk about other people. We assume that we are God. We assume that we are their judge. And we create all kinds of destruction in the lives of others in the church with our tongues. And James says there's a certain kind of devastation that you can create in your own life in the way that you talk, in the way that you plan for tomorrow. He says, come those who 
are planning the next year of their life, saying today or tomorrow, we're going to go here, and we're going to spend a year here, and we're going to, we're going to make such a, a profit in this town by trading. He's talking about business plans. And during this time, merchants traveled from city to city to make lots of money in the most lucrative spots. And James says, you guys, listen to me as you're making plans to make money I want to hit you with a sober reality. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow because you're not God. And he uses this illustration, but the reality is our lives are full of planning. It's not just businessmen in here. Every one of us will go home tonight and we will have conversations and we will say, hey, what time do you have to be at work tomorrow? What time do you get off? What time do you have to be at school? When is your practice? When do you have to be here? When do you have to be there? Oh, yeah, by the way, you need to pay that bill. Oh, yeah, by the way, have you made reservations for vacation this summer? And every night, every day, we are planning our futures. And James says there is a danger in that, in the way that you plan your future. And he's not against planning but he is against presumption, the thought that you actually know when you make those plans that those things are going to happen. The book of Proverbs tells us to plan, and there's nothing wrong with planning for profit. That's a good thing when used in redemptive, gospel-centered ways for the good of others. But there's a way in which we plan where we assume we actually know our plans will take place and what we want to happen will happen. And James is going to tell us that's evil and that's wicked. And we all need that warning. Think about the things in our life that make it really easy for us to plan. On our phones right now, we have all kinds of apps reminders, schedules, and so often we type in or, or, or put in what we're going to do this week and we act as though that is set in stone, that is actually going to happen no matter what because we said it was going to happen and we planned for it to happen. We can forecast the weather. We can see storms moving in. We can plan our week and know the percentage of the chance of precipitation at certain times. And are we going to be doing this or that? Oh, we can't be there at this time because it's probably going to be raining. Let's plan and meet at this time at the park. We have so much that causes presumption in our life when it comes to our plans. You know when the Amazon package is going to be on the front steps of your house and exactly when and where they are going to place it. And if it's not there, you probably freak out, right? Track the order. What happens? We are a people that are tempted to be very sinfully presumptuous about our lives. But he says, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And even though we think we're in control of it, Consider how much in your life has not turned out the way that you thought it would, the way that you planned for it to. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have three kids. We'll never homeschool them. We'll never send them to public school. And then I'm going to go 
here to college, and then I'm going to retire, and once I retire, I'm going to move here, and this is the kind of house we're going to have, and this is the landscape in the front yard, and this is how close to the beach we'll be, and yet you are still here. And yet, for some of you, none of this has happened that way. You don't know what tomorrow will bring, and life Tomorrow will prove you don't know what tomorrow will bring. And James' point in this whole section is only God knows the future. Only God is omniscient. And I thought about it this week because I worry a lot. Some of you know that. I am the worst case scenario person about everything. And if God told me what was going to happen in my life tomorrow. I said, okay, I'm going to tell you tomorrow. This is exactly what's going to happen. I would fall out dead of panic because I would begin saying, how in the world is that going to happen, God? Have you thought about this? Well, what about this? And what if this doesn't happen? And what if this doesn't happen? I would immediately go into that mode. If God told me when I was in seminary, you're going to be a pastor and you're going to pastor a group of people in a warehouse, I would have given up. <laughs> Who in the world would choose that? How is that going to happen? Well, what in the world? I'm, that, I'm going to be such a loser. We don't know the future and we don't need to know the future. It wouldn't be good for you to know the future. Life is uncertain, but he also says life is brief. Notice he says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. And then he says, and what is your life anyway? What is your life anyway? For you are a mist. You are like steam. You are, you are like vapor. You are like smoke. It appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. This is your life. Like the steam on the mirror. And you open the door and it's gone. On your windshield, defrost, it's gone. It's there for a moment and it's gone. That is who you are. That is your life. That is my life. It's short, it's quick, it's here and it's gone. James says, in like the kids' plays that we used to have, and kids would dress up as animals in trees. If, if we were having that play today, you would not even be an animal. You wouldn't be a character. You wouldn't be a tree. You would be mist that comes up and disappears, and nobody even noticed it in the play. That's who you would be. In the movie, you wouldn't be one of the main characters. You wouldn't even be an extra that you have to press pause on and go, there I am. No, you, you would be the mist at the beginning of the movie that comes and goes and nobody even pays attention. They're getting their popcorn, getting ready for the movie. That's who you are. That's who I am. Our life is short. It's quick. And so many of us are coming to terms with that. I think before you are 35 years old, it's kind of like you're going up that hill on the roller coaster and you think, I'm never going to get there. And then you turn 35 and it is lightning fast down and you are all of a sudden 45. It goes by fast. When you're in elementary school, 
This day's never going to end. Summer's never going to get here. I'm never going to graduate. And then, boom, 20-year reunion. It goes so fast. This week, when you're 45, you, I, I had to go to the doctor this week, and you start having to do those things, and I'm already that age, and that's weird, and I don't understand that. But when they called me back for the test, I was surrounded by walkers. And, and there was a time when I thought 45 was ancient. And I, in that moment, I felt, well, that's going to be me. It feels like next year, sitting there with that rock uh, walker. But understand, it goes fast. And your life is just, when you think about eternity past and eternity future, your life is a speck of nothing that you can't even see it. James says it's good for you to understand because only God is eternal. And in a hundred years, 100 years, the billions of people that are on the planet right now will be replaced. Every 100 years, all new people. We will be replaced in a hundred years, every one of us here today. You've got to come to terms with that. Because some of us here today, that depresses us. As the body decays, as the time evaporates, that depresses us. And some of us are getting depressed right now. I don't know what tomorrow will bring, and life is really short. This is a very encouraging sermon. And some of us are in despair. These are the things you lay awake at night worried about. And now I'm bringing them up at church to encourage you. How does it go by so fast? James's point is, you have to understand you are not God. You do not know the future, and you're not eternal. And only God is. And you cannot hope in a God who is certain about tomorrow and who is eternal if you think you are omniscient and eternal. You won't look to him. You will continue to look to yourself. And this is what he says in verse 15. Amidst the uncertainty and brevity of life, you have to confess your humanness. Instead of making plans as if they are set in stone and this is the way it's going to be, you constantly remind yourself, I'm not God. How do you do that? Verse 15, you ought to say when you plan, speak. If the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Literally, he says, as you plan, as you think about tomorrow and you think about your future, as you execute wisdom about your days, which you should, you should schedule out tomorrow, you should think about your future, you should think about how you're going to be used for the glory of Christ. But as you do, you ought to, and it's very important, say, say this, if the Lord wills, we will live. Let's stop there. If it's okay with God, I will still be alive tomorrow. That's how you plan. If the Lord wills, we will live. Because He holds my heart and breath in His hands. He can take it away any second. 
So if he allows me to live tomorrow and the days to come, this is what I will do, this or that, all of the details of our life. I think it's very important that he wants us to verbalize this. Remember, he's talking about the way that we talk, the way that we talk about others. And here he wants us to talk about the future in a very specific way that reminds us we're not God. And remember the point of our speech, the point that he has proven. You talk the way you do because your heart is the way that it is. Your heart is sinful, so you speak sinfully. There's hate in your heart, so you speak with hatred. And here the question is, do you believe that you're God? If you do, you're going to talk a certain way about your future. My future is going to be this way, and I deserve this, and I deserve this. But if you believe only God knows the future... If you believe only God is certain and that God is sovereign over all things, then you will talk from your heart. Those words will come out. If the Lord wills, this is what I will do. Because I really believe he's in control of tomorrow. He's in control of all of the details of my life. You see, the reality in this room right now, there is a lot of frustration because we live in the delusion of our deity. We believe day in and day out, I'm God. I know what's going to happen. I can control what happens next. And what happens in our life is we, we live that way, and so we fill our lives full of frustration. There's a lot of disappointment and a lot of discontentment in this room right now because you thought you knew the future. You thought you knew how it was all going to turn out. You thought you were God, and you're not there's a lot of worry and depression because your hopes and dreams were tied up in the vapor of, your, of this life and it came and went and it's gone. And it didn't happen the way that you want and you had no control over it. Things happened in your life you had no control over. But you thought you were God and you're not. You believe the lie of the false gospel of the power of positivity that says you can do and be anything you want to. I'm sorry to break your heart today, but I think we all know that's not true. And it's not true because you're not God. God is the only one who can do what he wants to do in this world and in life. And by the way, I'm not here to break your heart, except that you would fill your heart full of Jesus and his will and his purposes in your life. Because that's going to make you happy and free. Because your, your life's not going to be tied up in myself. No, you're going, to, you're going to stop and go, God, what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do in my future? It's in your hands. I make all of my plans with open hands because you, have, you may have different plans for me. And as soon as you embrace that, there, there's opportunity for joy and freedom in your life. So many of us lived and we said, I'm going to live here and I'm going to accomplish that. And this is what my kid's going to be. He's going to be an amazing athlete. He's going to be an amazing scholar. And then it didn't happen. And all that is left is the Facebook post. And we live in a depression. James says, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There is a better way to live your life. And what he says here, it starts this way. 
stamp on the plans of your life God's will. There's freedom in that. Every plan you make, reminding yourself, I am not God. You get up from a meeting, at home, at school, at work, and at church, of all places, we should say to one another, this is our plan. It's a good plan. But look at me. I'm not God. We're not God. God may have different plans tomorrow, and that's okay. Whatever his plans are, they will be good for us. That's how you should plan your day. That's how you should lead others to think about their day. Name your reminders and calendars on your phones today, if the Lord wills. Put that across the top. I don't know. Clay can help you do that. I don't know how all that's done. But do that on all of your calendars and reminders. Put across the top, if the Lord wills. Just to remind you that all of your plans are in pencil and God might erase them and put something else there. And that's okay because he's God and he loves you and he wants your good. Remind yourself if the Lord wills. And, And what I've been doing this week, and it has been torture for me. I had to do it this morning because I made a huge mistake. Is when I am interrupted and when I forget something and when I don't, I don't do something well, I mutter to myself, but I'm not God. This morning I got a call from Kyle Wells and they were here putting the Lord's table today, uh, together today. And he texted me, is that happening? Oh no, I made a mistake. I forgot all about that. And I'm walking around and on the way to the church and and things like that just drive me crazy because I think I'm God. And I'm reminding myself, but you're not God. You're not God. When that 15-minute phone call comes in and you were planning to do something else and you'll never get that 15 minutes back that you spent on the phone, hang up and say, but I'm not God. What's next? Remind yourself that it is if the Lord wills. And because life is uncertain, we remind ourselves God is certain, but we also invest our lives in what is certain. You don't know what tomorrow may bring, so today you need to do what is certain in your life. And what God has said is certain. So often we plan our future and we plan our life and we never pray about it. We never ask wisdom from others about it. But after the plan is laid out, we look at God and say, don't you like this plan? Will you bless it for me? And God laughs because you never considered him. And he has different plans, some good, some bad, but they're all amazing for you. And we should start by saying, what has God promise to bless in the world. In a world that is so uncertain, what is certain? But Jesus told us what is certain. I will build my church and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. Nobody's going to change my plan in that. But the story of the Bible is this. 
a promise from the very beginning that God will create a kingdom, a people made up of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every, every race of people that will gather and serve and love His Son, His eternal King forever. That is the story of the Bible. That is God's plan. And so you're here today, what is God's will for my life? What is God's plan for my life? That's it. That you would be a part of His plan. Your little vapor would fold into His plan. That is certain. Now you can leave here today and give yourself over to all kinds of things that are uncertain that you don't know will succeed or may or may not happen, but I can guarantee you based on the authority of the Word, word of God, we know the end of this story and it absolutely will happen. And so all of your plans for tomorrow must be folded into what is certain. Your job, your family, the conversations you're going to have, how you're going to live your life as a witness in Richmond to the ends of the earth better be folded into what is certain and eternal or you're going to constantly be left in misery, frustration, worry, anxiety, disappointment, and discontentment. You know what God's going to bless. You know what's going to succeed. So why would you not give your life over to it? C.T. Studd had a famous poem, and in it over and over is the refrain, only one life will soon be passed, only what is done for Christ will last. Think about that. Stamp that on every day. And instead of thinking, what will I be doing in 10 years, and you should have that plan, you need to ask the question, what will it mean in a million years? Because so often we think, okay, I can give this, um, this season of my life over to myself. This is over to myself. And then it comes and it goes. It goes by quick. And then all of a sudden life is over. And the question is, what have you done for Jesus? Every season of your life must be lived for Christ. When the kids are young, when the kids are old, when you're taking them to school, when you're taking them to practice. Then also when you're visiting the grandkids, if your mission in those days is always the same, this is about Jesus, I'm telling them about Jesus, I'm living for Christ, I'm on mission for Jesus, I'm witnessing Christ, then whatever season you're in, the mission never changes. The mission's always eternal, even through the different vapors of this life. The problem is so often we put eternal weight into the vapor and it disappoints us. Life is uncertain. Life is brief. You have to remind yourself you're not God. You have to give yourself over to what is certain and what is eternal. And here he gives another stinging rebuke. Verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. And such boasting is evil. And we would say, James, why are you so... This is just planning. This is just our business plan. Why are you calling it evil? This is just our plans for tomorrow. Why are you calling it evil? Well, again, it doesn't consider God. It doesn't consider the glory of God. This is about you. It's not for others. It's not out of wisdom. And he says here, that boast is, is, a, it is exulting in yourself. It is actually idolatry. The word boast there means to worship. And ultimately, you are worshiping yourself in arrogance. And the word for arrogance, it was actually used for what we would, who we would call snake oil salesmen. 
men who sold these, these medicines that was going to cure all, men, men who sold these potions that was going to give you more youth and extend your days. And, and that word is used of them, quacks, delusion. You're, you're boasting in your delusion. When you act as though you're God, you're acting crazy. You're acting delusional. That is the arrogance that you are exuding. He says it's evil. Why is it evil? Because you're acting and thinking like you're God. And that's, that's wrong. That's sinful. You're opposing God. And so some of you here today, you're thinking, okay, how do I make this practical? How do I, how do I really get, get into my heart and, and ask the question, Am I acting like God when I plan? Am I living in the delusion of my own deity? Let me ask you a few questions here. When you plan, do you plan from a disposition, a mindset of wisdom? This plan is about being wise. Or is it about control? When you sit down and make your plans, is, are you at the center and it's got to happen my way and this is the way that I want it, so this is the plan I'm making? How, what is going on in your mind and your heart? Is it to serve others? Is it to serve God? Or is it just you want control? Because the reality is some of you here today, you plan as though you're playing chess with God and others. And if I make this plan, not even God can change it. Some of you make plans that way. If I make this much money, I can control others. And you plan to make money to control others. If I take on this health regimen, I will be so healthy, God couldn't even take my life away. That's the way some of us live. Do you plan from a disposition of control or wisdom? And are you paralyzed by worst-case scenarios and interruptions? Oh, we plan that vacation. What if the car breaks down on the way? What if somebody gets sick? What if the rapture comes before my wedding? And you're thinking, what could possibly happen that would jeopardize my plan? And it paralyzes you. How do you respond when things are off schedule, even minor little inconveniences? Oh no, that person's five minutes late. This whole thing is out the window. We can never do that now. How do you respond with minor interruptions? This is getting at the heart of who you think you are. Are your relationships with others dependent on them being on time and their competence and following your plan? And when they don't, you just write them off. What significant acts of obedience are you delaying? You know you should repent of sin. You know you should reconcile with that person, but you're not doing it. Why? You think you're God. And you think, I'll get to that one day. And you think you're God. You think you're eternal. How do you deal with with the results of your day at the end of your day? Do you sit around depressed about what you didn't accomplish? I didn't get that done today. Did it drive you crazy? What you should say is, I'm not God, and go to sleep. I'm not God. Maybe I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll have a plan for it, and I'm intent on doing it in a way that honors Him. But if I don't get to it, I'm not God. 
And then let me ask a question for some of us here today. Are you so focused on not dying that you're not living? Are you paranoid over your health in such a way that it enslaves you from enjoying life and serving God? Let me just break it to you. You're not in control. God has numbered your days. And he has called you to live every one of them for his glory. And you can't control every minute detail of your health. And you can't control every, every possible circumstance. No, you need to be freed. And you need to say, I'm not God. Life's, insur- life's uncertain. I'm not eternal. I'm going to be wise. But I'm going to use every second to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what it costs me. That's how we should live our life. But are you living in the delusion of your deity and it is paralyzing you in worry and fear and frustration and anger? James says, don't live that way. And this is what he says do. Verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now we would obviously say in context, for you not to plan as though God is sovereign and eternal, and for you to act as though you're in control of all things, that is sin. You know not to do that. But I also think there's another point James is making. You see, the reality in the book of James is he has given us plenty that at the end of the book of James, we will know, and the only question is, will we do it? James is a is a man who's intent on us living the word, and he has said, you're going to be doers of the word. And he doesn't mince a lot of words and just saying, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Hear and receive the word with meekness and then love and be merciful and be kind and watch the way you use your tongue. You know to do all those things in the book of James. The only question is, will you do it? Will you do it? And he says, for you who don't, it's sin. Sin means to fall short of the glory of God, to miss the mark. And Paul puts it brilliantly in Romans 3.23 when he says, For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what that means there is that you fall short of God's glory. You don't have his weight. You don't have his authority. You don't have his rights to the world. You, you fall short of God's glory, but you, you sin in acting like your God. All sin is idolatry. Acting like you can do whatever you want to do. And James says, I've given you a lot to do. And if you don't do it, it's sin. And why are you sinning? Because, again, you think you're God. You think you know the future. You think you're eternal. And you think you can do whatever you want to do. And you can't. You can't. And so it's sin not to do what you know you should do. And so I think the point here in verse 17. Now hear me. Is James says, I think James would say, it's okay to plan. Be wise. But stop being presumptuous about the future and just be obedient in the present. How many of us are wasting obedience today because we're worried about tomorrow? And he says, just obey what you know to do today. 
Let that consume your thoughts. Let that consume your plans. You need, so many of us are like the little kid who comes to the parent and says, now when are we going there? Now when are we going to do this? And when can I go this? And when are you going to give me this? And you say to them, go clean your room. Just do the things I've told you to do. And I'm going to take care of the rest. Just be obedient. And that's what God's saying to so many of you today. When are we going to do this? How's this going to turn out? What's going to happen here? And God says, just do what I've told you to do. He's not going to tell you the detailed plans for your life. But he has told you some things to do that honor him in obedience. Stop being presumptuous about the future and be obedient in the present. Deal with the uncertainty and brevity of life by doing what is certain today. What is certain in your life? What are the things that you know you have to do today? Well, in light of this passage, James would say you need to pray. Because prayer is the act that reminds you that you're not God. And you need to get on your knees and say, if the Lord wills. Here are my plans. If the Lord wills. You need to pray. You need to be in the Word. The Word of God is the, the clear picture that we are not eternal, but there is something eternal that God is allowing us to be a part of, His eternal story of His Son. And in His Word, we see that story. And in His Word, we're able to plug our lives into that story. You want your life to have meaning and joy and freedom. Get in the Word of God and see where your life fits into God's story. You know to do that. Are you doing it? Instead of worrying about the future, are you praying? Are you in the Word of God? And for some of us here today, are there just clear commands that you're disobeying? Going through the book of James, there are people that you know you should love. And you just put it off. There are conversations. Today would be a great day to go home and have that difficult conversation that you're putting off. It would be a great day to call that person and reconcile to ask for forgiveness or grant forgiveness because you realize today tomorrow's an uncertain and I'm not eternal. And James would say, are you going to do what you know to do today while you still have today? Are you obeying today? And then for some of us here today, are you following Jesus? You, you are trying to get as much out of this life as you possibly can and I'm here to warn you, it is brief and it goes by fast. And it's fragile. And the only way you can have hope is in a man who is dead and is now alive. A man who used 33 years. 33 years. That's a vapor, right? 33 years Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross. And yet those 33 years, that mist that came into the world, it shakes eternity right now. If you want to have hope in this brief, uncertain life, believe in him, follow him. His death on the cross is, is, is the doorway that, that being a mist, a nothing, you enter into the ocean of significance and eternal weight when you believe in Him. The mist, the vapor, the smoke, the puff of smoke of your life all of a sudden becomes blazing glory forever when you believe in Him and you follow after Him. The reality is my kids probably don't care 
that Ted Haskins was named after Theodore Roosevelt. But the fact that he was named by Christ and he was a Christ follower and told his son about Jesus Christ who told me about Jesus Christ who told them about Jesus Christ only one life which will soon pass only what is done for Christ will last even your great 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 grandkids will know that let's pray God thank you for your word thank you for the gospel thank you for the opportunity to study your word today and may it may it bring about great repentance and great joy and even freedom and happiness in our life because we embrace this reality we're not God and you are God I pray all across this room as as devastating as some of these things are to hear God that you would you would flip them on their heads and there would be redemption across this room this should be motivation to use every second for the glory of Christ this should be motivation to trust you you're the only one who knows the future and God I pray by your spirit you do that during this time it's in the name of Jesus we pray amen as I said